The Messy Middle podcast is hosted on Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, which considerably helps with all of the production costs you normally have, except that on Anchor, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum audience through sponsorships and monthly contributions from your subscribers. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is Alyssa Lenick of Little List Fitness. And I'm Kate, otherwise known as Coach Carmichael. We are PhD students, endurance athletes who lift, outdoors enthusiasts, and entrepreneurs. We believe the narrative of the fitness and wellness industry is often far too extreme. So forget about the black and white messages that you've heard. On this podcast, we believe that life is best lived in the messy middle. Welcome back to the Messy Middle Podcast. Today, we are picking up with part two of our conversation on movement and mental health with Julie Crisasferidis. We're going to dive in a bit more on how to move when your mental health isn't in the best place, and we are going to talk a little bit about how counseling works and how you can receive counseling if that's something of interest to you. I do want to mention a trigger warning for suicide at about minute 15. Without further ado, we hope you enjoy. Here is part two. Movement is great for mental health. We've established that. We, we talked about how it can help in the brain, a larger cognitive processes, distraction, all of these things. Uh, but that's often not enough to get people moving uh, because when you are currently struggling with your mental health, it is really difficult. And so I want to talk about some of the ways that we can uh, move more. And I will also personally disclose that I I think for the first time I've really been experiencing depression, whereas I have disclosed my anxiety all up and down the past, and that has been my trope for so long. But uh, I, you know, was in a long distance relationship, which was hard during COVID with my dissertation and wedding planning and, you know, all of those stressors. And I, lost my grandmother. Things were just not going well. And I found myself uh, for the first time really struggling to add movement into my routine. Because when I'm anxious, that's not necessarily a barrier sometimes, but not that often. Whereas with depression, for me, my experience has been that it was harder for me to get going uh, in ways that I could normally do even with anxiety. So for me personally, I actually signed up for Orange Theory this semester, and I know if Rachel Reed is listening, she will um, be cheering and clapping because um, if you haven't heard her episode, go back to season one. She was like episode five, maybe six. Um, Orange Theory for me has been a, a safe haven because I can schedule it, and it is in my schedule, and I don't have to plan the workout. We talked about decision fatigue already. <laughs> I show up and I'm told what to do. And um, there's a lot of music, motivation, the group atmosphere. It feels like social support for me. Mm-hmm. And um, another thing is is to say that I'm enjoying that right now. I've chosen that particular movement because I'm enjoying it currently. Uh, whereas even though I still hold triathlon training dear, and that is my main uh, probably sport for my lifetime. 
I have not had the capacity to train myself uh, with triathlon training right now. So that has changed for me. That season is different for me. And and that is where I've been able to make more movement. Could I progress myself a little better on my own if I had the cognitive capacity to write all of my workouts and all? Sure. Technically, yes. I do think that's possible. But what's working for me is taking the decisions out of it Mm -hmm. and just focusing on enjoying it. I'm really not even worried about if I'm in my orange zone, which I have a high heart rate, so I am. But, you know, like I'm not worried about all of that. I'm just having a good time with it. So I wanted to um, disclose that a little bit for you guys and, and let you know that it's okay to change what you do and to just find what works for you. So um, I'll pass the baton to Julie and then we can, um, and then we can intertwine with each other. Yeah. So I think you bring up a really great point. And we've kind of been hinting at this that, you know, there are times and I know that you have preached this on your podcast before, like there are times where exercise and movement are really easy. And that's usually times when we have the I don't want to say time, but time is kind of like we see the perception of time. We have we have the space for it, you know, in our day and in our in our bodies. And um, I think what's important to also acknowledge is, um, when we're depressed, we're trying to reserve a lot of energy. That's usually why we see like individuals are sleeping more when they're depressed. It's usually why we see like people tend to eat more when they're depressed. And the opposite is also true. Depression can also lead to decreased sleep and, you know, decreased appetite, Um, but on average we see increased need for sleep and increased appetite. And because we're trying to kind of find and conserve energy because everything just seems so hard when we're depressed. And so finding those ways that make it easier for you is beautiful. For me, that was downloading an app. So I used the sweat app for a couple of months because it was the same thing. I didn't want to have to think about it. I didn't want to have to design my own yoga workout. I wanted somebody to just tell me what to do. It was like all the workouts were like 30 minutes and Mm -hmm. that's all that I had like the emotional capacity for. And so when we talk about exercising, whenever your mental health isn't in the best spot, I think that, you know, of course, that looks so different from when your mental health is better. And so finding ways to make that movement is how can you motivate yourself? Like what's motivating to you? Is it a financial motivator? Is it, you know, some perceived, is it some event that's occurring in the future that you actually are able to look forward to and you want to, and you have a goal for that, whether that's, you know, a wedding or that's, you know, your triathlon or, you know, a a class reunion, whatever that may be, Mm -hmm. um, what motivates you? What can you dedicate reasonably your time to? So for some Mm -hmm. people, they can reasonably dedicate 30, 45 minutes. Other people hear that and they're like, oh my God, that's just, that's too much. I can't, the thought of going and doing, you know, a run or being on the spin bike for 30 to 45 minutes sounds like torture, but 10 minutes, 10 minutes seems a little bit easier to comprehend. Yes. And so it's what 
what do you have space for finding out what that sweet spot is and for me I always err on recommending on the shorter side because if you can do something for 10 minutes that's great but if you get in there and you're liking it and you're enjoying it and then you want to push that like and you have the time for that then yeah push it or at least now you know for next time okay I think I can dedicate 15 minutes instead of 10 minutes this time And then I think you also keyed in on a great point of enjoyment. What do you enjoy to do? If you used to love going to play basketball, but right now that just seems so hard for you, or you used to love training for your triathlon, but right now that's just too much, clue into something else that is really enjoyable, whether that's Pilates, or maybe it's something you haven't even tried yet, or maybe it's just going for a walk with your dog. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think uh, when it comes to, well, so many of these pieces, I just want to expand on because I I love all of them and, and I'm totally for, I think a lot of the like fitness buffs listening here will be like, Okay, but the whole goal of exercise, you know, not just movement, exercise is to increase my fitness. So why am I doing the sweat app or orange theory when I can progressively load myself in the gym so much better? And I was told by this trainer that this is how my workouts should be structured for maximum gains. And I feel like that loses the conversation a lot. And I'm a kinesiologist, mind you. Mm-hmm. My whole educational life, which basically feels my, my whole life sometimes, <laughs> been designed and dedicated to exercise, how we can make the biggest improvements in fitness and how that looks for different people and all of that. And I want to say that none of that matters if you can't do it. If you're not in a place mm-hmm. to do that laundry list workout that is going to be the best for your gains, then what's why even worry about you? This is the all or none thinking. If you can't do it that way, is walking not good enough? Is right. walking nothing? It's not nothing. It's definitely so, not nothing. Yeah. I just really want to emphasize that because so many people in the fitness space get caught up in what is what they think is best. And they're, they're talking about for fitness, but we're talking about for humans as individuals that are multifaceted. They have all these problems. We all have problems. <laughs> Sometimes best isn't best for fitness. It's best for fits my schedule. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel good. I'm enjoying it. My friend can do it with me. And that's a big motivator for me. So I just really want to emphasize that, that so many conversations about fitness get lost, um, and don't include that enjoyable piece. Um, so yes, uh, the small commitments, I'm totally with you there commit to something smaller, break it down. It doesn't have to be an hour for it to be a worthy workout. And uh, a lot of the times you'll find, like Julie said, you'll get to the gym. You've planned only for 15 minutes, but you're having a good time and you have the space to stay and you stay. Mm -hmm. But you committed to 15 minutes, if that's all you can do that day, you've committed, you've satisfied your commitment. You can walk out with your head high. You worked on yourself today. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love the small commitments. I also think when we talk about motivation and willpower, they are fickle little fucks. (laughs) 
decision fatigue will get to you. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the ways that we structure exercise for people who are struggling to get there is we ask them to do it earlier in the day if they can, because you have more decision-making power. You've not run out of all of your spoons or decisions (laughs) or fucks, you know, that you've given today. So make that exercise earlier in the morning and try to create more of a habitual routine around it. The more you habitualize and routinize your exercise, that's like eyes, eyes, eyes. Um, The more that you create kind of a structure around it, the easier it is going to be to fall into that structure. If your workout is is a different time every other day, it can get a little bit confusing and difficult for your brain to keep up. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, that was one of the reasons for me for Orange Theory. I'll schedule a few weeks in advance. They're in my schedule. That's just when they are. I don't have to think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can plan the rest of my life around it, which has been good. Um, And then when we talk about accountability, I also want to key in here, and I'm sure Julie will have some stuff to add here, where accountability can be in the form of another person. It can be a self-contract or a scheduled commitment. Uh, If I cancel my classes, I think too close to the actual time, I think I get charged, (laughs) which is like a motivation for me. Like I don't want to lose money. So I will go to the class even if I'm no longer feeling like it. Mm -hmm. So it's taking that decision away from me. Um, and it's keeping me accountable via my wallet. Um, being accountable with another person, I really want to emphasize that when you're working with a friend, you're having them hold you accountable, or maybe you're both holding each other accountable is to focus on celebrating the wins and, you know, maybe rescheduling or getting back on track when we miss a commitment, as opposed to, you know, berating each other if you had a slip up. Because um, from me and Julie both have dogs, if you know about dog training, positive reinforcement is a lot better and more scientifically proven to be effective. So if you are shaming yourself for missing a workout, you're creating a lot of fear and shame and disgrace Mm -hmm. around working out. And the next time your workout arrives, you still have those residual feelings. They don't go away. You've made an association. So instead, let it go when you mess up. Schedule your next one in. It's it's not saying forget about it and never try uh, try to improve. Right. (laughs) Just schedule a new one. Do what you can with that week. Let it go and celebrate the hell back when when you return back to that exercise. So those are my my things. (laughs) Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I I really want to emphasize this uh, and it may be controversial, controversial, um, and fight me, whatever. (laughs) You're right here. (laughs) I'm I'm willing to like, this, this is a hill I will die on. Great. I love it. (laughs) It is possible. And this is why I emphasize enjoyment. It is mm-hmm. possible that your current exercise dogma, mm-hmm. if you are holding yourself to that standard that your trainer said, you, if you're holding yourself to that whatever it is for too long that you have to have this heart rate for this long your workouts have to look like this for your exercise all of that might be true that's completely possible and all of that can give you depression (laughs) yeah (laughs) all of that trying to live up to all of those standards perfect all the time depress the fuck out of you (laughs) 
Yes. And yes. if you're not enjoying it, what is the point? What is the right. point of all of it? Yeah. No, and I and I do think too. So this is where I, you know I'm going to speak for the devil's advocate. The point is that so that you can be healthy. Well, bitch, depressive people aren't healthy either. Sorry, that's just I also feel the same way. Clearly, Listen, you know, if somebody wants to come up there and say like, "Well, at least your body's healthy," bitch. No. Your body isn't going to be able to stay alive if your brain is trying to kill you. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to put it out there blatantly. Yes. Like yes. if every thought you're having is like, oh my, like there's a difference when you're in a workout and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die versus like when you're depressed and you're like, oh my God, I want to die. Yes. Like, and you're exercise dogma is making it worse if those thoughts are worse at the thought of trying to keep up yes take a step back I also love how this is degraded to us just talking how we normally would which is we say bitch all the time and if you're listening we're not saying bitch like you're a bitch we're saying like bitch like you're our girl like bitch okay so just no (laughs) (laughs) type of bitch Yeah, it's yeah. We we Julie and I are both bitches and proud, you know. Like, and Alyssa, Alyssa would say the exact same. <laughs> okay, yes, I I just think uh, clearly, me and Julie uh, were made to talk about this and share the same viewpoint. But I mean, really, truly, if if you think about the longevity of your life and what's good for you, you're gonna have to be flexible and you're gonna have to work with what you're you have what resources you have mentally to bring to the table that day mm-hmm. and. So much gets lost in, you're right, that fitness dogma of this is the only way. And if you're not enjoying it, same thing with anything. If you're not enjoying your career, if you're not enjoying the relationship that you're in, mm-hmm. you are going to put yourself in a in a poor mental health state because you are constantly fighting or living in a situation that is not good for your mental health. So repeatedly... Absolutely. It exercises that for you too. If you're not, if you're really hating your exercise, of course, it's not going to bring you the benefits that you actually seek. If you're so. hating your exercise, if you're hating what you're eating because you're still eating rice and chicken and roasted vegetables day in, With day no out. Seasoning. Season your shit. I know, God. So, <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, like you have to find enjoyment in it. It's not enough to just like do these things because somebody says you should do them and granted there are benefits to them but at the same time like if it's causing you worse anxiety or if it's bringing you down because you're eating rice and chicken unseasoned for the 40th time this month when all you really want to do is go get a garlic bread basket and like have a really awesome lasagna yes like Honestly, at the end of the day, you're doing more harm to yourself by eating rice and chicken for the 40th time than you would if you just went and like had the garlic bread and the lasagna. Absolutely. We talk about this with restriction culture all the time, where if you cut an entire food group out, guess what you're going to be craving the entire time you're mm-hmm. on that new diet. <laughs> and so if you really just uh, – and, and I'm not telling you guys how to eat. I would never do that. Uh, but if you take a moment to consider – what makes you feel good and eat those things, you will probably find yourself eating um, 
basically I'm saying if you apply a little bit of mindfulness to your eating, what you're probably going to eat in portions that are appropriate for your energy. Um, and this is again, not saying that every period in your life, you're going to intuitively eat perfectly. Like, of course not, No, but for the most part, if you're being in tune to your body, you're going to be able to make better decisions than if you are restricting yourself in a plan that you don't like and then feeling yourself relapse. And not only when you relapse, are you reaching for the foods that you've, you know, deemed bad for that month, uh, but you're eating them in excess, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to make yourself feel satisfied or to get that hit of dopamine that you've been craving. Right. (laughs) So it's, it's just really silly when we just apply these strict rules to our diet and our exercise as if we are robots and not human beings with very complex lives. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Very so well. I quickly want to highlight some of the things because we've talked about so much. Um, you don't have to be clinically anxious or depressed to benefit from exercise in terms of mental health. Um, many studies examine healthy individuals and still find improvements. But if you are clinically struggling, you're probably going to see even better improvements. Um, And excitingly, it appears that any type of exercise has benefits, especially if it's something you enjoy. Um, So what you choose uh, is right for you right now is probably going to benefit your mental health. Uh, We talked about yoga in particular and really keyed in on the mindfulness piece that again, you can apply to other areas of your life if you so choose. But that mindfulness piece and and being in stillness is really good for your brain to not be in the future or in the past and to be present. And that is, of course, going to be beneficial for your mental health because how many of us knowingly living in the future all of the time, uh, it's not a <laughs> healthy place to be, right? So... Um, I I love that. I want to, unless you have anything else to sum up here, I want to quickly change um, to a quick counseling conversation about where people can get counseling and how they can do that if they're interested. Yeah, absolutely. The Messy Middle Podcast will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you confused about what supplements you should actually be taking? In a world full of juice cleanses, detox teas, fancy promises, it can really be hard to trust anything. But high quality supplements when dosed appropriately can actually help support your fitness goals. And that's why I use Legion. I've been using Legion supplements since the beginning of this year. And after years of never really fully committing to one single brand due to lack of transparency in their labeling, unnecessary fluff, or just reporting things as blends and not knowing what's actually my product, I finally found a solid science-based product line that fits my supplementing needs. Legion's products are 100% naturally sweetened, and my favorite part, they are fully transparent in their labeling, and they use dosages that are actually backed with what the science says you need to be effective and support your fitness goals. And not the least amount you can get away with, and not just labeling as blends, but fully transparently telling you what's in your product and why they dosed it that way. And this is huge, because it lets you know exactly what you're taking and if it's actually going to be effective, and then you can know what's going into your body. My personal favorites are their cinnamon cereal whey. Yes, it tastes as good as it sounds. The mocha cappuccino plant protein. Pulse, their pre-workout, which comes in non-stimulant or caffeinated stimulant based. And Recharge, the recovery blend, which also gives me the creatine I need to move weights well in the gym. Legion offers 100% money back guaranteed if you're not happy with their products. And you can save 20% off your first order today with our code MESSYMIDDLE at checkout. That's M-E-S-S-Y. M-I-D-D-L-E at checkout to save 20% today. Again, this this really depends on where you are and your resources that are available to you. What A lot of people are not thinking the COVID-19 pandemic for much. 
Um, but it, what I think it has been helpful for is it has mandated a lot of places to go online. And mm-hmm. so it's no longer like you have your only option if, you know, you need an online source is, you know, apps. Your local clinics are also online, most likely, are providing services online in some capacity. Um, the best place to go um, is to go to, um, I'm double checking myself right now, so give me one second, actually. Yes. Um, yeah. So the best place to go if you're looking for a, uh, if you're like, I have no idea where to start, um, go to psychologytoday.com. And what you can do is just type in your zip code and it will automatically kind of pull up local people in your area who are licensed psychologists or they might be social workers or they might be um, licensed mental health counselors. All of that is just different degrees for a lot of the same thing, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also kind of filter by gender. So if you prefer to work with um, a man or a woman or somebody who identifies as non-binary, like that's all able to do. You can also sort by the price as well if, um, and you know what type of insurance you hold. So um, there's a lot of different filters that you can apply just to kind of get you searching in the right, right area. Um, another option is to call your insurance company and find and ask them for peop- a list of people that they um, cover in your area. Um, so mm-hmm. those are my top two um, recommendations if you're looking for um, if you're looking for counseling services. That's exactly where I would start. Psychology Today has been referenced as the tender of therapy. <laughs> swipe left, swipe right. Right. I feel like that should be in. No, it shouldn't be. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so if somebody who feels like their mental health is declining or not in the best place, Mm -hmm. um, but they're unsure of whether or not counseling is right from them, how do you determine, and I know, of course, this is going to be very individual based on a person, but what are some key elements for somebody who might, counseling might be the right move for them now? Um, So you're right, that's very dependent. I think that one, there has to be a desire to change. And if you're sitting there and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, crap, I'm noticing some things in myself, maybe some things that we've said have like kind of stirred something in you. And you're like, maybe I should talk to somebody about that. Or maybe there's something that other people have pointed out in your life that are like, you know, Hey, you tend to do you tend to panic every single time you see a spider like full-blown panic attack like maybe you should talk to somebody about that um you know those things in your life or if there's just something you know in your heart is weighing on you and it's time to change or it's time to officially like dig it up counseling might be the right move for you if you're looking in terms of something concrete some signs that I tend to look out for and others and encourage others to monitor for themselves. Has your sleep changed? Are you sleeping more than you used to? Are you sleeping less than you used to? Has your appetite changed? Are you eating more than you used to? Are you eating less than you normally do? And to go along with that, has your appetite changed, but 
you've lost 10 pounds uh, or you've gained 10 pounds without trying um, is have you lost joy in any exercise or in anything? So maybe it's, you know, you still enjoy exercising, but you used to really love, you know, hanging out with your dog or you used to really love reading. And now all of that just seems completely burdensome and you can't even imagine how you used to feel joy from it anymore those are some of the signs that maybe it's time to at least go and talk to somebody about these changes to see what what might be going on for you and that looks different for everyone but those are some of the telltale signs Great. Thank you. I I do think that um, there's probably some people who are counseling curious um, and they're maybe like, okay, I'm thinking now is a good time for me to go to counseling and, um, you know, I'm going to work out on psychology today and, you know, test some therapists out. What can I expect though? I'm really nervous maybe to go to counseling for the first time and I don't really know what it's going to look like. And maybe I have these ideas of sitting on a couch um, and just being asked how I'm felt over and over again <laughs> or how I'm feeling over and over again. So what can counseling look like? And I know this is going to range a lot by um, the particular specialty of that therapist mm-hmm. and what you're working on. But maybe some of the maybe like debunk some of the stereotypes for us or, or tell us a little bit more. Um, I love this question um, because when I first started my degree, I definitely had a preconceived notion of what I was even going to be doing um, mm-hmm. and or what I thought was going to be like the most beneficial thing for clients. Right. Um, and I will tell you right here, right now that there is like this, it's, we shop around for the right car. We shop around, and I promise this has a point, we shop around for like the right exercise equipment when we're building our home gym. We do all this research, we try out different things, we take in input from others, but for some reason we feel like when we go to a doctor or maybe even a therapist, like that the first one we go to is the one we have to stick with. Yeah. And no, 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 no. <laughs> please, please, please. If you take nothing else away from today, like you can shop around for a doctor and for a therapist or a counselor that is right for you because, and this is the reason, with all the research we have done and all the different therapeutic orientations, and by that I mean all the different ways that people and clinicians approach their work with clients, the number one predictor of success, number one across the board, no matter what variables you choose, the number one predictor of success is your relationship with your therapist. If you Mm -hmm. have a great relationship with good rapport, you're honest with them, you feel it's comfortable to be honest with them, you're going to see improvements regardless of how they approach their work with you Mm -hmm. versus if you have a poor relationship, if you feel like they're judging you, if you feel like they just don't get it, all of that, you're going to, you're less likely to see benefits, no matter what orientation that therapist is. So that's my number one pick is shop around, find someone that you have a good rapport with that makes you feel safe. And it's not always going to be that first one. If it is, congratulations, 
then that's that's awesome. <laughs> but oftentimes I hear all the time of I've gone to see I've seen like therapists throughout my life and it never helps. Like it just, you know, I feel like they're judging me or this, that, and the other. I, I've never been able to make a you know, a change in my life. And you know, maybe the change is you need to change the therapist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's my number one is shop around. Number two is find someone who specializes in what you're trying to work on, whether that's body image, self-esteem, depression, anxiety, everybody mm-hmm. specializes in something. If it's trauma, find somebody who specializes in trauma. If you are into the more woo-woo stuff, like I won't define woo-woo because woo-woo is different. We for did it in episode number four, but <laughs> if if your concept of woo-woo is you know consistent with Kate's, or maybe your your definition of woo-woo is a little bit more, you know, find someone who strictly adheres to those evidence-based practices, and mm-hmm. that's a filter. Is like find if you see like all those little acronyms you know cbt act dbt all of that stands for something and that's all those evidence-based practices for different ways of approaching problems um if you're somebody who's like okay i can take that and also i want to like hear about how my spirituality or my religion can Mm -hmm. also influence and play a factor in those things, then you can also find someone who incorporates spirituality or your specific religion um, into their work. And so if those things are important to you, find a person who's going to acknowledge that. Um, And along those same lines, if you're in the alphabet mafia, LGBTQIA, plus, 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 then find someone, and I will say that this can be a little bit trickier, but find someone who either specializes in these issues or says that they're sensitive to these issues. Um, This is a kind of a flashpoint in, you know, mental health right now, and so I will say that I've heard horror stories about finding a therapist who says they are sensitive or Mm -hmm. an expert in these issues, and then they just suck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you at least this this is where that shopping comes into play once again. Like if they're not backing that up with who they are as a person, mm-hmm. then you can absolutely leave. You can terminate that relationship. In fact, please terminate that relationship. If if a therapist isn't respectful towards your beliefs, your I religion, your spirituality, who you are as a fundamental purpose person, then just, you're not going to make any progress. So leave. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So when you're sitting down in the chair, yes. um, Are they just going to repeatedly ask you how you feel or what (laughs) might uh, that like experience look like? I know there's different orientation. When we say orientation in the realm of therapy, we are referring to their, uh, ways of practicing psychology like julie listed there's some evidence-based ones cbt dbt that you've heard of um but that all of them will look a little bit different but there are some kind of elements uh to sitting in in the chair as we'll refer to it um that aren't just the same movie tropes that we see yes so you will likely be sitting across from somebody or even potentially sitting next to 
on a couch Mm -hmm. or in a chair, probably more likely a chair if you're in person. Um, And it could be on Zoom now. Your chair could be your own couch. Exactly. Um, How it looks is, yeah, they're going to ask you how you're feeling because you're probably Mm -hmm. feeling some type of way about being there. They're mm-hmm. also going to ask you a lot of other questions in terms of, you know, the things I mentioned. Have you noticed any changes in this? Have you noticed any changes in that? And so it's also going to be a lot of information gathering, especially that first session. They're probably going to talk a lot at your first session. And then as later sessions go, they're going to listen a lot. And they might not ask you a lot of questions, but they might suggest something like, hey, can we pause here? I'm noticing that you're getting really excited or that you're you're starting to get really restless as we talk about this topic. What's going on for you? And so a lot of it is pausing, encouraging you to reflect on what's changed in that situation as you were talking about a topic. Um, they might give you some homework. Uh, and if you're a student, you're like, what? No. <laughs> No more homework. (laughs) (laughs) But the homework is to kind of solidify and encourage reflection on your thoughts, Um, practice challenging your thoughts and on how to interrupt these very big emotions or how to sit with very big emotions. Yes. And sometimes homework is not even what you would expect it to be. I legitimately got homework from my therapy to watch Queer Eye. I'm not even <laughs> lying. Like, <laughs> that I've was one homework before. Yeah. She was like, you need this energy in your life right now. Go watch that. And because I wasn't giving myself enough like rest and relaxation time. So she was like, that's your homework, you know, or um, I've also been given homework to, okay, What's one thing you're going to look forward to this week mm-hmm. that you're going to schedule in your calendar? You know, so it doesn't always look like sitting down and writing all of your reflections, but it can. So be prepared for depending on what you're working on, that might be part of your practice. Absolutely. And for me, like the amount of times where the homework is to like go snuggle up with a cozy blanket, mm-hmm. drink some hot tea after a session or, you know, to go take a bubble bath, like homework looks different based off what you're working on and based off what your concerns are and what your goals are. Um, So those are just some common things. So it looks, it's not just them asking you about how you're feeling. They might ask you like how you're doing at the beginning of the session, just to like get the ball rolling, how you've been this past week, these past two weeks, but then you're going to do a deep dive into like the things that you're actually working on. And they might not talk at all. They might pause occasionally, pause you occasionally, but ultimately at the end of the day, like you're going to drive that relationship. You're going to drive that conversation. And here's another question. Is the therapist just finally going to tell me what to do and how to live my life? Because that's what I'm signing up for. (sighs) Fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) I think honestly another misconception though is that therapists are advice givers. And why is that not um, maybe an appropriate assumption to hold? Because as you can, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that there is nothing 
<laughs> that works for everyone. Yes. And there is not a one, and as a therapist, there is not a one-stop fix all button trust mm-hmm. me if we had that button we would yes. have mass produced it because we live in a capitalist society and <laughs> sold it by now if we had that magic button we would have bottled it and sold right. it to you by now. if there was a magic exercise pill sleep pill diet pill it would have been everyone would have it by now yeah you would be i would be rich <laughs> <laughs> But we're not. And none of those things exist. And so we will make suggestions like find a sleep routine, find a way to move your body that's enjoyable to you. We will make suggestions. But if you're looking for somebody to tell you what to do with your life, that is not what a therapist is going to do. They're going to ask you to reflect on your life, to you know, maybe there will be things that they ask you to do, but they're always going to follow that up with, if you hate it, let's examine why you hate it. But if you hate it for good reason (laughs) and it brought something bad to you, then you never have to do it again. And let's try something else. Let's find something else that you can try. And so if you're looking for somebody that has a magic wand that's going to fix your life and fix all your problems, then please go to Aladdin's cavern, find Genie's lamp, rub it, <laughs> because that's the only person that can magically solve all your problems. And even he yeah. fucked up. So yeah. <laughs> honestly, he's not even that helpful. True. Okay. Um, you just also brought up something that I – I thought uh, would be maybe a good round out caveat to all of the things that we've discussed, because I think we've, we've rightly so, because the conversation also gets left out when we talk about enjoyment for exercise or enjoyment in the things in our lives in general, Um, enjoyment in the person who's our therapist, enjoyment, Mm -hmm. enjoyment, enjoyment. And um, when we talk about self-care, I think that's also what happens is the self-care list of things you could be doing to improve your mental health or to improve your physical health, what have you, are all things that are fun and good. And there is something to be said about sometimes I don't have the motivation or desire to do something that I know will benefit me. And I think there is it's a very slippery slope to navigate mm-hmm. what is something I just don't enjoy versus I've scheduled a workout that I know that I'm going to leave feeling great from, but like right now I really don't want to drive and go there. And I know that this thing is good for me and I enjoy it, but I'm not super motivated right now. And I think that that is a good distinction we should end with to Mm -hmm. just think back on everything we've said for the past two hours and apply that to, because I, I do think that gets misconstrued a lot. Absolutely. And I think just to kind of drive that point home you know there's the I don't want to do a face mask because I hate face masks and Mm. they take too much time and they take too much effort versus like I love the way I feel after I do a face mask and you know maybe getting out of the house to go buy one right now would actually do me some good so I'm going to go drive 
talking about the skincare face mask. I know we're so used to talking about the ones that uh, keep oh. people from contracting COVID, but yes. good, good distinction. I hadn't even thought of that, but yes, for your skincare, <laughs> you may hate skincare, <laughs> but it may feel, and it's also possible that if you put on one more face mask, you, that thinking it's going to solve all your problems. And then only to be let down, maybe don't go buy another face mask. Maybe just just right. save the two dollars or the or the twelve dollars if you if you buy the really bougie ones. But <laughs> like actually tune in. Where where is the dread coming from? Is it because you actually don't like it? Or is it because it's gonna take a little bit of effort, but you know you're going to enjoy it once you do it? Yes. Yeah, I love how you framed that. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well we've just <laughs> done everything. I love this podcast so much. I just, this is my bread and butter and jam and the things that I really wanted to bring to the Messy Middle podcast this season. I think we're talking about mental health a lot more. I think we're talking about those caveats more and it's so important to frame that exercise. We're not, I think this is what Alyssa says all the time. We're not food and exercise robots. Uh, We're (laughs) human beings. I can't like shout it the way she does, Um, but we're human beings and we need some flexibility in the way that we approach our lives and, and caring for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Wow. So Julie, (laughs) Julie, is there any last thing left unsaid before we sign off? Um, I honestly, as much as we covered, we've only skipped or scraped the, the tip of the iceberg, but we've covered so much. And I think that this is a great starting point for everyone. Um, I would say, follow me on my social media platforms, but I don't have any because that's my (laughs) self-care. So if you're like, oh, wow, how can I follow and like listen to all of these great... No, you can't. I'm really sorry. (laughs) You cannot find me. (laughs) And I apologize. But uh, just know that whoever you are, um, if you haven't heard it today, that even though I don't know you, even though Kate doesn't know you, We both really care about you and we are so happy that you took the time out of your day to listen to us chat about the things that make us happy and we hope that you can find something that makes you as happy as these things and talking about these things makes us. I love that. That's a beautiful sentiment. And I will say that if you do want to share a message with Julie, uh, you can DM me on Instagram. We are best friends, so I will be chatting with her. <laughs> so if there is something that you like really want to say, um, then then I'll pass the message along for you. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't not want to hear from you. I just don't, don't want to be on social media. I don't want to be on social media. <laughs> Absolutely. We can respect that. All right, you guys, that is going to be it. I hope you enjoyed this two-part series on freaking mental health and movement. I loved it. I hope you did. Um, We are so thankful for Julie being on the podcast, providing her time and her brain um, to this conversation. So thank you. Uh, Without further ado, we want you to live well, demand better. And stay fucking messy. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys.